Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, and welcome to another edition of Roman Records Live from Lockdown. But you know nowadays, it's the old man, he's got all the money. And a young man ain't got nothing in the world to say. Hello, it's me, Craig Smith, joined by my ever-present co-host, Craig Templeton. Hello, Craig. So here we are, again, we're bringing you another live album, another live record for your listening pleasure. Um, pulling one of the vaults of our esteemed collections. Uh, and again, it's, it's, it's my choice this week. Um, last week we brought you a classic, this week we're bringing you another classic. So it's basically fucking classic after classic. Uh, and it is, of course, The Who with uh, their performance Live at Leeds, which is regarded by many as the greatest rock and roll live album of all time. Will we agree with that by the end of this podcast? Who knows? But here we are to, to discuss and debate. <laughs> Who knows? Did you mean to say that? I like that. Of course uh. I did. Oh, you've been practicing in front of the mirror, haven't practicing. you? Practicing, I have been. I've been writing my wee sit notes. At, sit in the bath, sit in the bath like wee Jimmy Rabbit and fucking the, <laughs> the commitments, interviewing yourself. <laughs> oh, Craigie T, what do you think of the who? Who'd have thunk it? Absolutely, that, that's what I'm like. I'm like, it's no Terry Wogan I do it with, it's you, <laughs> you're my Terry Wogan. So. I, I, I would happily be your Terry Wogan. I mean, this is, this is an education for me because this is yet another band that I've never really given a fuck about. Um, well, and I know that's offensive to some people because the Who, to some, are are just as important as like the Beatles and all that pish. Mm. But um, I was pleasantly surprised when I listened to this record for most of it. I'd say um, yeah. I'd say Side A was pretty good. Um, I think it was dynamite. Yeah, absolutely. Side B, not so much. Yeah, so a little bit of history. This was recorded, um, as the name suggests, in Leeds, um, at the University of Leeds, uh, interestingly, a uh, uh, refectory to be exact, on Valentine's Day. So will we love it? Who knows? Um, back in 1970. And it was part of a sort of two, two show. They had one in, uh, over in Hull as well. Um, and they had planned, I believe, to have... I can't, I can't remember if it was like two separate albums or like a double LP of, of live recordings um, but there was some sort of fuck up with the Hull recordings and I think it has been now released on CD or something, I don't know if it, I think it was on vinyl where one of the mics didn't work so it wasn't picking up any of the crowd noise so they decided just to sort of shelve that recording um, yeah but it's a bit strange, only six tracks four on track uh, sorry side one and uh, just two on side B. Did you um, just... Wait, 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 wait. Four tracks on side one and two tracks on side B. I know, I just... You're getting a bit mixed up there, eh? You said six songs, but it is still 40 minutes in length. Like, they know how to fucking drag it on. I said six tracks, I did say, actually, but... You can can check that when you're editing. Um, Yeah, they they, they certainly do. So when I I said to you when we were talking about this one, I was like, oh, I think it's only eight songs. The yep. set itself, I don't know if you've checked this out, the actual set 
that it was that it, this was extracted from is an is a, a sort of mammoth thirty three tracks long. What? No, I that really surprised me. Um, Were they like soundtracking the whole fucking Valentine's Day dance or something? I don't know, man. You know, like know. a prom band, and they have like a little yeah. break in the middle. Quite possibly. Um, which was very interesting. The refractory and as well. That's where you have your food at university. Like that's mm-hmm. that's where they serve food. So what were they having? Like a fucking candlelit dinner in the refractory with the hoop in? It's really strange because there's a wee picture of it if you look on Wikipedia, and it just looks like exactly as you described. You know, where you'd be sitting eating your school dinner. It's just weird. That's kind of. Um, so cool. I don't know how. It's quite cool. I mean, to be at that gig must have been something. Because it's noisy, it's fuck. It's I mean, the sound they get out of it. Um, you know, they, they were obviously um, quite pretty well known for their sort of big sound. Um, and Pete Townsend used this amp at the time, and I'm not a, you know, I'm no expert in any of these kind of things, nowhere near. But um, but apparently, it was referred to as the Super Who guitar amp on this recording, and he used it a lot. It was a it was a sonic explorer of sorts. He did like definitely to get Yeah, I think they were quite keen to move away from that Tommy kind of sound uh, on, and you know the way to do that was to kind of take it on the road and remind people of their kind of big rock and roll live. Well, I um, read, and I didn't do much research for this, but <laughs> I did read that it was Pete Townsend that was always trying to drag them to more of a poppier sound. Oh, really? uh, maybe it was trying to attract the younger audience who knows um, but it was uh, the rest of the bands were wanting <laughs> that more hard rocking kind of heaviness right and I, I had never really experienced their kind of heavier sound too much but that's what was cool about the side A was it was quite rocking mm. it was quite raucous and like fucking nah, nah. whereas oh, then you get into side B and you've got fucking guitar wanking and 15 minutes of my generation there was a wee bit there was a wee bit of that um I do think some of the, tr- the tracks were interesting. Again, not being that familiar with the albums, like, but Young Man's Blues, re- very kind of bluesy, R&B type style, maybe kind of stonesy a wee bit. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think the se- was it the second song, Substitute, sounded a wee bit more like, um, you, you know, the kind of early Who, that they were a wee, that, I would say that's that, one of the only Who songs that I already knew, was Substitute. Yeah, that kind of, but I don't know when it appeared, but it was like... I think of like the yeah that I think of like sort of like swinging sixties a wee bit early sixties like Beatlesy type stuff where they had more of the kind of feather haircuts and it was uh, they were less you know Roger Daltrey was less fucking long hair and Pete Townsend probably was he smashing guitars back then they're a bit more moddy oh you know? it was always smashing guitars because the mods loved destruction in their sets I read that as well all right. Uh, so there you uh, go. There you go. It, mate. See, you claim you didn't do research. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just being modest. You're trying well, to be too cool about it. I had to do something, didn't I? No, that's true. Now, before um, we we go any further, um, 
Now, I'm going to make an assumption. Mm. Um, I'm going to make an assumption you're having a little, a little tipple this evening. Um, but I would like to know what that's is a, in your glass. That's a fair assumption. Well, you know, we've we spent a lot of time together, so uh, you know, we. <laughs> I can I tell I in the inflections of your voice, uh, you've been drinking. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. In the last episode, I talked about how I got three new rums, and I'd mentioned mm-hmm. what they all were. So, if you, you remember, indeed. it's one of those. And it's in fact the more the most expensive of them all Ooh. is Kirk and Sweeney. Nice. A we twelve year old Santiago oh, de los Caballeros Dominican Republic. Easy for you to say. So it's a Dominican rum. And in the spirit of the rum running schooner, Kirk and Sweeney, mm-hmm. this rum is well worth pursuing. Made with sugarcane and aged in oak barrels for twelve years, Kirk and Sweeney. Oh. Shows a rich mahogany colour, smoothly capturing a complex range of flavours from earthy sugarcane and dried fruit to vanilla and toasted oak. Delicious. Sounds absolutely phenomenal. What are you mixing it with? I know we, we chatted uh, last time, last week, about how you you were enjoying some of the softer sort of mixers like ginger ale and um well that's exactly i'm sticking with the ginger ale because i want ginger ale. i really enjoyed how that um pampero sang to me through the ginger ale so i'm doing the same with the kirk and sweeney and if, it's a bit like when you mix with apple juice you can throw mm. a little bit more booze in there and it just goes so well nice very nice so it's, it's quite a strong little um lime and juice uh ginger ale and rum beautiful sounds dynamite so um who are you sampling who am i uh well i'm sampling actually a rum that was part of your trio of purchases um you sort of put me on this little deal that was going on at the time you mentioned it last week uh which was another appleton's i was on the appleton's last week this is a different one this is the signature blend the classic Um, the classic the class absolute classic um £16 at the moment, absolute fucking bargain. Um, and I have to say, do you know what? This is one of my favourite, like, well, how did you refer to it as your everyday rum type of thing? It is my everyday rum, an everyday rum. It's it's, it's a classic everyday rum. I'm not saying, like, it's weak. I'm just saying no, 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 you can enjoy this Monday through Friday, not break the bank, mm. and then leave your more expensive ones for the weekend and making a few Definitely. cocktails. Absolutely, and that is the thing with it because it's it's the price point that makes it every day wrong, not the quality. Um, far from it. Uh, when when I mix rums, I, I think what's going to go together, right? No, I don't do that every time. Let's let's be honest. But on, on occasion, when I'm giving it a bit more thought, and it's a bit like cooking, you think, right? Okay, um, I'm having lamb. That lamb might have been what's his habitat so it may have been eating <laughs> lamb's lettuce so I'll put it with that so I think what, what would go with this so I'm obviously Appleton's from Jamaica so I've decided to pair it with another Jamaican classic not Ting this week oh. uh, but but back to the old Jamaica ginger beer which mm. honestly see I'm a bit like you at the moment where I'm kind of avo- avoiding it with coke um, not because like I think it's wrong or it's not good. Just like I'm just enjoying it with different mixers. I think it lets the flavours sing a bit more without overpowering it. And uh, I don't know. I just think you can drink a bit more as well, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, so anyway, cheers. Um, cheers to you. Cheers. Sometimes I want to, but I 
song is another cover so we're only three songs down with two covers uh this one a bit more recognizable which was a uh, eddie cochran's sort of classic hit of the 50s i'm gonna guess um late late 50s um summertime blues which actually conversely appears very very late on the set list um, yeah, 1958 was recorded. I, I, I noticed that as well because I looked at the expanded edition, which again mm. isn't the full set list that you're talking about, I would imagine. But no, like, it's not. They skip over like six or seven songs and then they land back in. They're like, why? What, what happened? Yeah, it's interesting how they, they came to these six songs from the 30 odds that, that were on that set. Mm. Um, I don't know. Um, there is some, there's quite a bit of audience interaction in there. Yeah, Pete Townsend makes reference to oh, you recognise this one. It was our first number four. You know, kind of. Right. Being, oh, it was number thirteen, back. number one in Germany. Yeah, Lucky it's funny how two. Pete Townsend does all the talking. Hmm. I didn't hear Roger talk once. Maybe he's saving Nothing. his voice for the singing. No, that's it. And if you look at the lineup, it obviously was the classic kind of lineup um, of Pete Townsend. Richard Daltrey, John Entwistle, and Keith Moon. So it was it was a classic lineup. They, they they mentioned that in some of the sort of reviews that I, that I read. Not being a big Who aficionado, obviously Keith Moon died. Um, I don't know if they continued on without him for a while. I don't I don't know what the other lineups they were. They did. I'll be, quite, I'll be quite honest. Who who came in? I know his son probably played um, at some point. Who knows? Didn't who he? the hell knows? Who the hell knows? We're not talking about the. We're not talking about the who. We're talking about live in Leeds. We're talking about live in Leeds. Um, something that I forgot to mention on the last episode about who and something. Um, um, the guitarist, the guy with the star, Star Boy, whatever he's called, <laughs> said about Kiss. He said he felt they always sound a bit weak in their studio albums and and. Yeah. on the live recordings he felt that that was a true representation of them mm. and, I, and I think there was maybe a wee bit of that on this record whereas well I definitely it felt bit, it I definitely felt that it was heavier yeah and interestingly not driven by Townsend um, or Town, Townshend Townshend <laughs> Townshend fuck up fuck the what do you mean Townshend that's that's the way it's spelled. Townshend. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Is that that's how you not, that's how you do it, Townsend? Is it? Aye. That's not how. Uh, that's not how Andy up. Townsend does it. Exactly. That's not how <laughs> ITV commentator, former, former Republic of Ireland, Villa, Chelsea, and Republic Island international Andy Townsend spells his name. So that's what that's what I go by. That's the, my yardstick for how you spell the, Townsend. Must be the Irish spelling, who knows? I'm no 
going to ask too many questions. All I'm going to say is side A sounds really good. Side B... It does. It sounds absolute dynamite. Talk, my generation's... I don't like it. It's gash. I, you I don't may, like it? It may have been cool back in the day. It may have been groundbreaking because you thought it was going to say... F- 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 uh, fuck off. It's like, uh, it sounds like... Uh, what's his name? Uh, it sounds like Ronnie Barker in Open All Hours, <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Like Porky Pig. That's all, folks. Um, mm. But I kind of like the the medley, as they call it. I like when they when they finish that and go into this fucking twelve mm. minute fucking opus journey with small guitars, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But and this is interesting because you said that Hull was fucked up because they didn't record the audience. You don't hear the audience until they finish a song, and I very well, very much doubt that an audience in Leeds. Let alone mm. anywhere in the UK would be that quiet. Uh, who concert? No, true, true. And something that I've read two reports. One says that the bass didn't record properly, and one says it was the audience stuff. Mm. Um, the bass sounds more feasible. Why you would get rid of the stuff, as you say, because you could always chuck in some fake sound noises, as we've uh, found out on other albums. Um, but yeah, it says that there is. Um, there's extracts from other songs of theirs that weren't recognisable to me as a kind of kind of noob. And that's like, why I call it a medley. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is referred to as that though. Um, certainly on the digital version now, it's referred to as a, as a medley rather than a. Because there's other medleys and other albums we'll come to later in this series where they, they do kind of call out the songs that are form part of that medley. Which they oh. definitely don't hear. Um, but yeah, so he's a wee bit I quite like my generation. I, I, I'm going to stick up for it a wee bit. I do like it. I love that bass part of of uh, John Entwistle's. I think it is that kind of and it kind of always like sort of goes back. It does it about three or four times. I, I do really like that. is a magic bus by the way uh, I think it's maybe a metaphor for drugs I'm going to say I didn't like that song no no it's, it's quite a well known song um, but yeah I think it was a single I'm pretty sure I think um, it was their like most popular single I'm, I'm going to be completely transparent here um, I was half expecting <laughs> you know that magic carpet right <laughs> which isn't even who what the Aladdin song no 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 magic it's, uh... carpet right a whole new world that one that no, um, no, no, Peter, no, no, Andre and, Peter Andre and Jordan done a cover no <laughs> surprisingly no that I wasn't mixing up Peter Andre and Jordan with uh, the who <laughs> It was Steppenwolf. It was Steppenwolf. Oh, aye. It's the one. 
was released the same year as Magic Bus. September 68, and the Magic Carpet Ride was released. Oh, imagine that. October 68. Fucking rip-off. A poor rip-off at that. Basically an expose show we're doing tonight. An expose. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was kind of half expecting that, so I was a bit disappointed. But I, I do know the song Magic Bus. I was like, oh, aye. But again, it was a wee bit, um, how much are you going to give me for that bus? 100 English pounds. No, ninety-five pounds. It's like, what the fuck? What is that? Shit. I wonder how much hundred quid was worth back then. Quite a lot. Quite a lot. I would. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to guess. But I. It was a wee bit of a, an odd ending to otherwise. Uh, I think a, a very good live album. Give me a hundred- 